Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is one of the most beautiful places on the earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. They're also an award-winning Remax office. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to figure out your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007 or find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. So, Todd, one of the craziest things you've ever heard while working for the POA? Uh, uh, per, uh, property owner called in and wanted to uh, the POA to do something about the frogs because they were too loud at night. It's getting sleep. So the, the frogs, the frogs, the frogs, the frogs were too loud. Yes. <laughs> yes. And with that, we can begin another episode of hot Springs village inside out with our, one of our favorite guests, Mr. Todd Knowles, who is, let me run it down. It's it's wildlife, common areas and forestry, or did I mean, which one, what, what do you do? All of the above and streets and streets and, and streets. streets. Because you're you're well, you're assist, you're filling in for the street street guy, right? Well, now. we we hired a new street superintendent. I'm the assistant street superintendent, in sanitation and common property forestry and wildlife. So, common property forestry and wildlife, which is a little bit of everything. And and for those of you who don't know, behind the scenes in Hot Springs Village, inside out, we'll cut to the chase. Twenty six thousand acres of awesome, surrounded by millions of acres of national forest, surrounded by a lot of rural area. Simply a stunning area. But the wildlife doesn't know we have gates, do they? They don't care. And they don't care. And they, you know, we get all sorts, different type of wildlife that comes in here. Well, I, they, called, uh, I called you the other day, asking about a mountain lion. Somebody <laughs> said they'd reported a mountain lion. And I was like, really? That's right. Yeah. Now that's just, they, they can see them. They're, they're in Arkansas. Uh, you know, I work closely with the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. We try to monitor our wildlife that's, you know, not only in the village, but on the border of the village in the Washtenaw National Forest. And uh, because we do live in the Washtenaw Mountains. I mean, we're in the Washtenaw Mountain Range. And we share this with so many other different types of, of wildlife. And uh, so I try to I try to work with the Game and Fish Commission to, to you know, help monitor. We've kind of partnered up and uh, to monitor the wildlife that we have. And uh, they they have seen I mean they've seen mountain lions the deer leases outside the village they've been they've had pictures of some on their game cameras but they they just they move through so quickly but but hang uh, on if, if I was a if I was a, a mountain lion and I mm -hmm. saw thousands of tasty deer on the side of the road yeah. why would I be moving through yeah well they're after a girlfriend to be honest mm, with you Dennis mm, yeah mm. they uh, you know to, to to give you an example. Um, we had uh, a guy, he's a large uh, state biologist with the state of Arkansas for large carnivore. And I was visiting with him for the Arkansas Game Fish Commission. And he said that, that they've, all, they've been trying to, to trap and collar 
these mountain lion in the state of Arkansas to, to monitor their, their movement, to monitor the range that they're, you know, their pattern they move. Mm-hmm. And he said that they have uh, went to different uh, deer leases that's had pictures on the game cameras. They've never been able to trap one, but they have been able to get hair traps, hair samples from them. Like they rub up against something and they like get they, samples. Yeah, it's it's a type of trap that when they when they come through this trail, you know, it catches their hair. You run a DNA test, make sure yeah, it is you know a mountain lion. And uh, so they send these hair samples to to uh, this uh, to this laboratory in Montana to get a DNA sample from them to see where they come from and other different specifics about them. Now from South Arkansas to North Arkansas, I think they collected five to six different hair samples from mountain lions. And every one of those hair samples come back to uh, those mountain lions come from the Black Hills of South Dakota. So, yeah. Did they, so did they, did they ride a Greyhound train? How, how? Well, they, they claim that when a mountain lion gets a certain age, it reaches maturity. The males are pushed off from the herd. Oh, okay. And they have to go in search of a female and they just travel. And that's why you'll see one, every now and then going through Arkansas and it may be, may be here in the village today. And by this weekend, it could be up around Harrison or, or up close to Branson, Missouri. I mean, it's just, so they, after, they just leave after he finds a girlfriend, then does he settle down for a while? Yeah. Yeah. He settles down and has a home terrain now, but I, I would imagine, have, I mean, 1.7 million acres of national forest. That'd be a good place to hang out for a while. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. He just can't find a girlfriend. If you just had someone to hang out with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the title I've I've chosen roughly for this episode is, is lions and tigers and snakes. Oh my. So, uh, I say tigers, lions, and bears. Tell us about, apparently there's some bears North of here. What's going on there? Well, there's, there's bears in the village. Uh, you know, we had, we had a lot of sightings last summer and there'll be some sightings this summer. Um, well, we had uh, one actually swim across the end of Lake DeSoto. I mean, just in, in party barge, people oh, yeah. were just taking pictures and he got up out of the water yeah. and went on up in the woods. Yeah. There we, we have bear here and, uh, and I help the game and fish, uh, trap them. We call her the female bear. And then we go back in and do what's called a cub study. And we go up to the den, we track them up and we pull the cubs out. Of course, we tranquilize the mother and, and she is, uh, monitored by veterinarians. The, the whole time we've got the cubs out, she's, they got her on the oxygen and they've got, you know, they're down in the den with her. And, uh, so we pull the cubs out, we measure them, we weigh them, uh, make sure that they're healthy and see how many she's got six months from then we'll go back and we'll track her back up and make sure those cubs have made it. Wow. Uh, so, you so know, now, and, and I think you sent us a picture of this, so we'll, we'll have this posted yeah, on the page. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if you never come to the website, hot springs village inside out.com, Come to the website, see Todd's page, and we'll have those photos linked it below here. Uh, amazing. What was it like to hold a little baby cub? <laughs> oh, they're, they're furry and fuzzy and, and friendly at that age, but you have to catch them when they're between four to six pounds. That's why that there's you've only got a two-week period to go in and do this study because when they get about eight to nine pounds, when they get about eight to nine weeks old, they become little bears. And you grab a hold of them, then they're going to start clawing and biting and squealing and all that. But really, yeah, at this age, six weeks old, four to six weeks old, you can you can actually get them out and hold them, and you can measure their paws and Red you know and, and, and weigh them. 
before this age there, Dawson. Right. right. And, you know, believe it or not, Arkansas <clears throat> called the Bear State. I was going to bring that up this year yeah. before we became the natural state. We were the bear state. And, and Todd, let me go back to just for a second and bring, bring up something that others may not know. You know, the Game and Fish has a great magazine they've been putting out for 40 years now. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And I, w- I used to get it all the time. And one of the things about that that they said was they said, you know, since the 20s, we've had this resurgence in white deer, white tailed deer, and this resurgence in elk and this resurgence in whatever. And what they didn't say is, we darn near depleted the whole thing in the twenties. I mean, we fished us out. We, we shot all the bear, we shot all the deer and we had to bring things back in. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the bear was extinct in the state of Arkansas. I think they said in 1940, 1943 that they counted, I think the best count they had, we had six bear in the state of Arkansas. Six. And so they, uh, they brought in bear from Montana and from, uh, from Canada. Really? And, uh, they, it was actually, this was between 1955 and 1960. And they had, uh, this was the most successful reintroduction in the world. Really? Was the black bear in the state of Arkansas. The only thing that's come close to it is the wolves in Yellowstone national park. Yeah. 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 The reintroduction of the wolves. But the, the black bear in the Wichita mountains was the, was the most successful reintroduction of any animal in the world. And uh, the habitat was just perfect for them. And so did we, did we, did we hunt them all out simply because we were trying, we thought it was a great way to get rid of all the pestilence or something, or do you know? I, I think so. And when people would see one, you know, they're, they would just automatically try to try to take it out. But you know, a black bear is not going to attack someone. It's not like a grizzly or a brown bear. They're they're more scared of you than you are them. Even if they've got little cubs with them, they're not going to charge you unless you grab one of their cubs and it goes squealing. Uh, but uh, but the, the the reintroduction, you know, it was so successful that we now actually have a bear season. We have bear so season? many black bears. Yeah, yeah, we have a, bl- a black bear season here in Arkansas. So. Uh, it was a it was a great reintroduction by the game and fish, and they're pretty proud of that. So if you ever go to any of their talks that they do, they're going to bring up the reintroduction of the black bear because that was that's that's one thing that they're extremely proud about. Well, to the point and, where we where we actually have a bear season. When is bear do. season? And roughly, and by the way. For those of you who don't get the Game and Fish magazine or any or know any of this stuff, they typically will have the state divided up into quadrants or sections or whatever. And many times they right. go along the interstate, Interstate 40 running from east to west, Interstate 30 running from Little Rock southwest. And, and they'll say, OK, from Interstate 30 west and north, you can hunt bear between these days and whatever. Well, when is the season and what is it? Do you know? I think around here it's uh, like um, I think it starts about the middle of October goes to the end of November uh, in this zone that we're in. Uh, I think that reaches Highway, seven's, uh, Highway 7 North is the boundary line, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where Hot Springs Village is at, uh, you know, I think that it's about the middle of October to the end of end of November, somewhere in there. I'm not quite sure on that. But, but we have enough of them that we actually have a season on it. We do. We do. And uh, – they usually they usually get pretty good numbers, and, and that's a way for them to monitor them. You know, they can see how many he's taken out. Then you go in for your cub study, see how many born. With the ones with the females that you do have, you know, collared, there's several that we don't. That we'll go back in the summer and, and trap. And I say when I help them, 
I don't go just off anywhere in the state of Arkansas and help them. I help them. I help the game and fish. I'm always involved with anything that they do in Hot Springs Village or right on the on the boundary of Hot Springs Village. Now these cubs that that you've got a picture of that we went we pulled out of the den. That's just right, just as a crow flies, as we call it, southern slang as a crow flies. It's just uh, it's just just a few few feet, few hundred feet probably from Hot Springs Village border. Right, so right. Just so those other- bear, yeah, so those bear will be coming through the village sometime this summer. Really? Uh, that mama bear and the cubs, more than likely, yeah, they'll be coming through here eating some bird seed out of a bird feeder or, or you know. Getting them some, getting them some sweet nectar out of them hummingbird, or the, the uh, what do they call them? Them, them hummingbird uh, feeders. Whip, yeah, hummingbird feeders. Huh? Trying to think of the word there, but yeah, the hummingbird feeders. So no, they'll uh, they they'll come through here, and people will see them this summer. But then then you know they they you know they see them early summer. The blackberries come out, the pokeberries come out, and then the acorns go to fall in the fall, and that's their natural food resource. So they all kind of move out of here and go on somewhere else. And there's some that stay here in Hot Springs Village. There's some dens within the village. Really? Uh, you know, yeah. And and most people think of a den like a cave, like you see on TV, but they're not. They, they got these stump holes from where a tree is maybe uprooted. Right. And there's just small holes, and this 300-pound sow bear can go down in that hole and dig herself around there and be down in these holes. And uh, I've got pictures of some dens, and it just looks like a stump hole, but they're down in there, and you can see the bear there in the den with her little cubs. You can hear them, you know, and then that's – but, yeah, that's that's how we get down in there. So there's a 300-pound sow bear down in there. Yeah. Uh, now, she, she's going to lose 20 pounds during the winter, I guess? Well, the thing, the thing about it is a, a, a female bear goes into what they call a early – they don't really hibernate because they're not in a deep sleep. I mean – you know, uh, they're, they're still alert. Even when they're in their den with their little ones down there, they're still alert. They don't go into a deep sleep, but they never, they do not eat. They do not urinate. They do not defecate from September until the next April. Really? Yeah. So they have to, they have to gain all of their weight, get all their fat and everything during the summer months. That they're going to, to live go on in. through the six months or the mm-hmm. yeah roughly six months that way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and for those who aren't acquainted, I know we have a lot of listeners from every side. That's one of the things we, Randy and I did make a, a failing today. And by the way, Randy can't join us today. And I'm unfortunate. It's no big deal, but he just wasn't available to join us today. But um, the, um, uh, the, one of the issues that goes through my mind is that they have to go that many months to prepare, but at the right. same time, during those other months, they're hopping. They're oh, eating yeah, everything they yeah. can. They're, they're eating everything it. they can get a hold of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, uh, the thing about it is, it's just nature. But if they're not, if their bodies are not uh, capable of withstanding going without food and, and, and water and, and so forth for that long, they won't have cubs out here. Really? Yeah. So if they're not so, healthy enough to have cubs, they, they just If don't they're not them. healthy enough to have cubs, they won't. I guess you you can say they won't stick. They won't, you know. Yeah, sure, they won't sure, have sure, any sure. cubs. Well, and what what a lot of people need to know here is number one, as you say, the black bear, they have no interest in coming toward you whatsoever. Oh, no. mm. They can't wait to get away from you. And if you see one, Diane and I were driving the Lake Winona Trail one day. We were coming down the uh, 
west end and we were just coming up under the south side of the wilderness area. And we, we pulled up and it looked like a big, a shaggy German shepherd way at the end of the road. And I could just barely see him. And I thought, is that a dog or what is that? <laughs> and, and I kind of rolled a little further ahead. We got out our cameras and I said, honey, that that's a black bear. And she wouldn't leave. And I kept thinking, why is she not running off in the woods like they want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And about that time, two fuff balls about the size of a Pomeranian. Yeah. yeah, Two little Pomeranian puff balls (laughs) came running out of the, out of the side of the, uh, the street and, or the side of the road. And uh, it was like, she was saying, come on, you kids. And they came running like crazy and everybody went up in the woods and it was all a good time. They couldn't wait to get away. And, yeah. and one of the other parts, is, as I talk about the Lake Winona, I may make it sound like as soon as you cross outside the village, you're at 1.7 million acres of national forest. There's a pretty good spot of Green Bay packaging, which is the old warehouse of timber. And so there can be there can be game or bear on that and they can go on up into the national forest. And there's a really big green space space buffer is what I'm trying to get as from from here to the village to the national forest is miles and miles and miles of, of forest right right it is it is and a bunch of the stuff that we do is you know on the green belt or green bay packing it's i mean just right on the border of the village yeah you know yeah. so well let but, me ask so we, we've we've covered mountain lions we've covered bear are there going to be any snakes this year because i was hoping that wouldn't happen i'm looking for. Uh, sna- oh yeah yeah there'll be snakes you think there'll be snakes and and the thing that about it uh for people that just move here that, that don't know, they're going to be, this is going to be a bad year for ticks. I'm afraid the ticks are already out really bad. You know, you got Lyme disease that, that, that carries. So if you're going to be out in the woods, just make sure you spray with off, uh, make sure you spray off with some insect repellent and, and try to keep them off of you because, uh, you know, we didn't have that bad of a winter. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we had a little bit of snow in, in this, but as far as the freezing temperatures, we didn't have we didn't have that bad of a winter to really knock down the ticks. And there's going to be a lot of ticks, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of snakes. Uh, one thing you can always remember is uh, on an old, I guess it's uh, just kind of an easy way to remember. If a snake has slanted eyes, it's usually venomous. If it's if it's good and, and it's got rounded eyes, then it's usually non. And a bunch of people think that a venomous snake is, or a non-venomous snake is venomous, but they're not. You know, you can tell by their eyes, and the best way to do it is just ID their scales and their patterns. Uh, you know, you got water moccasin, cottonmouth. When I was growing up, every snake you seen in the in the water, you know, they'd say, "Oh, there's a cottonmouth," or "There's a water moccasin." But when you learn it, you know, it's a ringneck water snake, or it's you know, it's different types of water snakes. So, uh, well, and to confuse just, things more. You know, it's easy to say, okay, well, you know, the, the slanted or the pit viper, the viper eyes, mm-hmm. you know, well, that's poisonous. Well, and then the triangular shaped head. Well, a lot right. of snakes, when they feel threatened, they'll squash down and flatten out and mm-hmm. their head looks a little more diamond shaped. As opposed and then you to, got some, you got some looks like a cobra, you know, them spread natters. They'll, they'll oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. raise up and flatten their head out and look like a cobra sitting there looking at you. Oh, Todd, but. we're showing our country. Tell them what a spread matter is. <laughs> tell, them, tell them what a spread matter is. I know, you know. Tell them. <laughs> a spread matter is a snake that when he gets scared or uh, he, he feels threatened, he will uh, raise his head up and he will flatten his his uh, head out and it looks just like a cobra sitting there. Looking and he at looks him. mean. He looks very And dangerous. he does look very dangerous. And he is he's, not. He's not. He's not venomous, but that's just him saying, hey, you know, this is, I'm here. 
back don't up. mess with me. Yeah, but they they look they, they look wicked. Some when people call them puff adder. I've heard. Yeah, that term. some people call them a puff adder. You know, I grew up uh, like said in the sticks, and we always called them. I've always heard them called spreading adders. Is what I call them. But, but anyhow, yeah, they are they are vicious looking. If you see one, it'll cause you to take off running. Yeah. When I was a kid, I remember I about broke my neck trying to get away from one. I thought they were the cobra <laughs> done a county implanted in Jesseville, Arkansas. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know cobras are common in Jesseville, Arkansas, right? Yeah, they are. You know, very, very. Not but, so much. Not so much. Yeah, that. Uh, but they'll 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 cause you to to. to to break a leg or something trying yeah, to get away from yeah yeah about the only way they'll hurt you is if you try and kill yourself getting away exactly exactly uh, just want to make one other point Let, let's talk about water snakes for a second because everybody uh-huh. wants a lakefront property and water snakes I, look i have seen water snakes that i would swear were copperheads mm-hmm. but they weren't right right T- tell, by the way two two things two things let's cut to the chase uh, a puff adder will, will puff back or a, a spreading adder will puff. When he is in the corner, it's his last chance. He can't get away any other way. And he, you, you got him cornered. He'll do that. That's any right. other time he's going to fly away. He's going to slither away. Mm-hmm. A, a, uh, a, a water snake do the exact same thing. They can't wait to get away from you. Right. Uh, a, a, a black snake can't wait to get away from you. A copperhead will take you on now, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm two pounds, but you're 195. I'll take you on, buddy. Oh, Copperheads yeah. are pissy. And if, the yeah. cop, if, if they turn and want to get back at you and act like they're in a hurry to bite you, that could be a sign you're talking to a copperhead, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and I tell you, a copperhead's a pretty snake. I mean, they're, they're, now don't get me wrong, they're vicious, but they're a beautiful color. They're easy to, to, to recognize because of their copper color. Mm-hmm. And they're dark brown, you know, it's got the copper with the dark brown uh, uh, different designs on their back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, they, they, they're, they call them Hershey Kisses. Is that the, or is that the water yeah. snake? Okay. No, that's, that's, that's the cotton mouth. They got the dark brown on their copper. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's copperhead. And then you got the, you got the cotton mouth, you uh-huh. know, that this, you know, they're, they call them a cotton mouth because they raise their, their mouth so open it looks like a, like a, piece of cotton a bowl of cotton yeah a bowl of cotton so they uh those are the most common around your waters here in hot springs village and we got so many you know we we don't have a whole lot of you can count about your most venomous snakes we got in the state of arkansas on on one hand you know we don't have have a whole lot of venomous snakes it's just uh people get them confused with non-venomous and to tell you the truth i don't like snakes dennis i just don't like them Period. I don't care if they're venomous. If they're non-venomous, I don't like snakes. But you don't uh, kill you know? every one of them you see either time. No, no, no. I, I don't do that. But I'm not I'm not a big fan of snakes. I, well, let, 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 let's cut. I, I want to, and I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm trying to address the person who's never lived on a lake, never lived, never had mm-hmm. an area where there's snakes, that kind of thing. I will see in the middle of the day or even in the evening, I'll see a snake swimming across the lake. And yeah. it's easy to say that's a copperhead that's a cotton mouth that's a no no yeah because we you have know several this, water snakes water snakes will swim across the entire lake and don't mm-hmm. have a problem with it if you throw a copperhead in the lake he tries to get back to the land as quick as he can he he he's not interested in that stuff yeah and and as when we talk about the cotton mouth that has the what looks like cotton inside their mouth those are they're not mean i mean they're not vicious like a copperhead is they don't if you force a cotton mouth to, to, to get mad on you. They'll open up that mouth and you can see it, mm-hmm. but they would rather go away. 
and they oh, are, yeah. their body is more of a triangle too. It's a, it, it's a ridge and low flatty squat. Whereas a leather, a lot of other snakes will be more round, but I tell all that to say, I, I wouldn't want it to happen, but it's not a problem. If I got bit by a copperhead, which are, are bad snakes, I'm going to go to the hospital. It's going to be 30 minutes to the hospital. They're going to give me a lot of Benadryl. They're going to watch me for a reaction. If anything dire, dire, dire happens, they will give me the antidote, which they usually don't give. I mean, mm-hmm. probably nine times out of 10, they don't give it. I'll have an inflamed area. I'll have a, a headache. It'll thob. It'll hurt, but I'm not going to die. Right. All right. Right. Now, if you get up around your, and uh, you know, especially here in the village, even if you get up around like your mountainous, you live up on a mountain for a view and you're walking around behind your house, you know, and you got all the big mountain rocks and higher elevation and all that. Yeah. You, you probably come across some rattlesnakes. Probably timber, those, timber rattler. Timber rattlers. Now those are the bad boys. And, and you get bit by one of them. Yeah. You get bit by one of them. You know, it's, it can be serious, but you'll know when you get close to one of them, all you got to do is it'll, it'll let you know that it's there. He'll, you know, he'll, know it bef- he'll let you know before you know. You're right, right. You'll you'll hear him rattling. But uh, yeah, I, I wear snake boots. You know, I have to I have to deal with our light downs and spillways and out around the water and everything. And I wear snake boots all throughout the summer. And and uh, you know, you see you see some, but uh, like I said, I'm just not a fan of them. I'm not going to keep one for a pet or keep any here in my office or anything. But you know, uh, yeah, it's nothing just to be alarmed about. I mean, they're here. And it's like the wildlife, you know, uh, one of the main reasons that I work with the game and fish and we kind of partnered up, you know, you'd be surprised at the people, Dennis, that's bought houses in here. And I went out, I'd look at trees and ask them, you know, how they like living here in the village, how they come to know about it and uh, just kind of strike up a conversation. And they say, you know, the reason we bought this, we come out here to look at it. We've seen all the, all the deer out here in the yard, or we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen this, this type of deer had a little fawn and, they just love the wildlife, you know, people that, that live here or that moved here from out of state, they've never seen that before. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, if we can keep a healthy wildlife herd, uh, I know the CWD, you know, is in the deer, uh, it's one County above us. So we have to, during our urban deer hunts, you know, we have to monitor that real closely and we get all of our deer tested and checked. And, uh, we, uh, you know, now, if we let, keep let, a, let me interrupt just for one second. Okay. You said the CWD, that's the chronic wasting disease. That's the and, chronic wasting disease. And it is nasty, as I understand. Yes, yes. It attacks the nervous system of the brain of the deer. And it's kind of like a mad cow disease. You know, they just kind of just go to stumbling. It's a very, very cruel, uh, cruel thing that they can get. Uh, they just waste away. Yeah. And, and, and you say uh, that's just north of us. Is that uh, Perry County or Perry County your... had a Perry County had a, had a case of, mm. and so here, so here in the village, it's, uh, you know, during our urban deer hunt, every deer that we have that's tagged or every deer that we have that goes through the, uh, hunters feed the hungry, they get tested for CWD chronic wasting disease. And, you know, there's, there's blackfoot, there's blue tongue, there's, there's a whole bunch of different diseases a deer can get, and especially if they're overcrowded like what we've had. And, you know, so far, knock on wood, uh, this last urban deer hunt, we had every deer that we had checked, that, that we had tested, came back just, uh, they didn't have any any type of disease at all. So, hmm. And it's a good management practice. You know, it's, it's yeah. because of good management. And, and I've got food plots that I've kind of built away from places that the game and fish have furnished the seed for me. 
that I've I've kind of put out for for the different wildlife to kind of pull them away from houses and stuff and give them their own little uh, kind of area to to hang out you know away from people yeah. and uh, to kind of you know uh, just just kind of help help the herd out a little bit and manage it. It's just kind of a management process that you got to do and and we keep track. You know, like I said, I'm with the game and fish or I work with the game and fish. I'm not with them. I, I work with them. Let me clarify that and. We monitor the how many deer we have that we think we have here in the village, how many bear we think we have here in the village, how many fox we think we have here in the village. Just, you know, different uh, different things. I mean, you got people that live here, Dennis, they're they're crazy about anything as small as a as a as a honeybee to a to a black bear. I mean, you know, so you've got a wide variety of different thing of species that you have to try to manage and make sure that we but we do we we've got a good healthy healthy crop of animals right now and and uh you know and if i need their help in any way all i got to do is call they send their biologists uh, veterinarians whatever they need and and all that is it's just a good communication practice between yeah. hot springs village and the game fields well i actually one of the very first times i came out here looking at homes was over 20 years ago and we were over on the south side of lake coronado and we pulled up to look at this house that was for sale. And when we got there, the neighbors were standing in the front yard and I thought, well, what are, what are we doing? And they had little pieces of dog food and they were throwing them in the, uh, the, 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 the culvert, you know, where the driveway goes over the ditch, they were throwing them in the culvert. Must have been and, a fox in there. And these little foxes had come out and get them and eat them. <laughs> and, and now my, my boys at the time thought that was the most amazing thing either. Yeah. But you know that—that's how much people here love the the uh, the the uh, nature in the village. And, oh, they they love it. Oh, and I can't blame them. I do too. Oh yeah. Let's talk about one uncomfortable thing. Um, and people say, "Oh, I don't want them shooting my deer. I don't want to have urban deer hunt. I don't want them shooting my deer." And I always say, "I'm fine with that too. Just keep them off the hood of my car, and we're great. We're we're great. Right. But I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. I'm not going to put it on you. Okay." So game and fish, when game and fish sees an area that has by their charter, it's their job. When they see an area that has a too great a density of deer, they will go out in the woods, uh, warehouser, national forest, whatever. And they will take a auto, a car battery and they'll knock the lid off the top of that thing. And it's just exposed with sulfuric acid and the deer will come up and lick that and die a miserable, horrible death, but that thins the herd. So and I'm not being attractive here, I know, but you have two options. We can shoot Bambi with a bow and arrow and we can make beef jerky out of him and we can give him to the hungry or we can let him lick sulfuric acid and die out in the middle of the woods. Am I close? You're right. You're right. Uh, you know, it's a, I know that, that there's lots of people that love the animals and, and, and they do, and they hate to see something like this. You know, they don't like the hunters and, and stuff, but you know, well, it, sound, it sounds being, inhumane compared yeah, to you see what the other results are. It is, is the entire herd gets chronic wasting disease because they're weak or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about it is, uh, once you get overcrowded, you start your inbreeding, start your disease spreading, you start oh. all these other things. And it's just, it's, it's a nightmare. And, uh, plus, you know, you got all this damage to vehicles, to, to you know, the car accidents. People they're getting in people's azalea bushes, and people they love the deer. Well, if they love the deer, they they want to see them healthy. That's yeah. the main thing. That's that's our main goal is to keep a healthy herd. And by doing that, you have to manage them 
by population control. And uh, our, you know, last year or for 2021, our our uh, accidents involving wildlife were down by four. Really, as the other two previous years. So, and how, how yeah, many so, do we usually have? Is it a hundred or so or something or what? No, it's just usually around I think sixty. 54s. Okay. I think before it's like 60 and this last year it was like 54. But but every doe is going to have one fawn or two right. fawns. How does they that can work? have up they can have up to three, but really? most of them have have one or two, yeah. So when I'm driving and, down to Soto at night and there's a, a large female, a fawn, no horns, no antlers, and mm-hmm. there's two little babies, it's safe to assume that she had two spawns, two, right, two, two right. babies this year. And uh, you know, uh the game of fish right now. Uh, you know, they, they, we do what they call a spotlight count and we go around the night and spotlight the deer from, you know, we, we got different routes that they've got that, that we take, do that for a week straight. That kind of, they got a, uh, they have a different, uh, equation that they figure up with that that tells you how many deer you have per acre. And through that, they can tell you how many deer overpopulated you are and right now the hot springs village is overpopulated by about 1100 to 1200 deer what so and and so in order to to stay up with that you know we have to have an urban deer hunt now out of this urban deer hunt though dennis comes something good also number one we're managing our herd we're eliminating diseases eliminating inbreeding and and crowding you know and, and overpopulation number two Jesseville School District, Fountain Lake School District, Cutter, Mountain Pine. Now, Hot Springs Village has gotten from Texarkana School District all the way to Bentonville School District through the what is called the backpack program. I've got pictures where they 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 take the deer that's donated in hundred feet to hungry. We send it to a processing plant. Hundred feet to hungry does in Missouri. And they make these called snack sticks. I'm going to get you some, Dennis. I'm I want to see some. I will try some. I'll, I'll get you I'll, some. I'll hold try. them up and promote them for you. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'll do. I'm, so I'll this is made sure. from deer in the village and others, Hodge, of course. Well, there is seven urban deer hunts in the state of Arkansas. Hot Springs Village donated more deer last year, hunters feed the hungry. Then you can take the other six, multiply them by two, and that's how many Hot Springs Village donated. <laughs> Really? We donated uh, 186 deer, which made about 55. I think they said we, we donated like 55,000 maybe of the snack sticks. Of the, the snack sticks. And, okay. and so, so the Hot Springs Village Hunt went from went from Texarkana all the way to uh, the Bentonville School District. Plus, uh, I don't know if, are you, if you're familiar with the Jackson House, Hot Springs. Yeah, sure. Great organization. Uh, yeah, so we, you know, a lot of our meat went to the Jackson House. A lot of it goes to Jacksonville School District, Fountain Lake School District. Uh, we try to keep it around area schools, but we've got so much now that we can reach, touch children uh, all across the state through our urban deer hunt. Well, let's go through the de- urban deer hunt real quick, and we got to wrap up. Todd, as always, man, thank you for your time. It's it's a hey, it's a it's a pleasure. Always great um, to be on with you, Dennis. Font of knowledge, my friend. So so step one, we have an urban deer hunt, and you have to go through the. There's an organization you have to go through. It is. It's called the Arkansas Bow Hunters Association. Okay, and, and they give training and 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 orientation. They, first of all, you have to take a safety class, and you receive a card that you've uh, that you have passed this safety class. Then every year we have a, what we call an orientation, and that's when you bring the bow that you're going to hunt with because you're going to only use a bow now. Sure. And uh, you can only hunt Hot Springs Village 
you know, people's worried, you know, we're walking trails, you know, we may get shot. Well, that's one we have that you have to be a minimum of 10 foot up a tree. So the trajectory of your arrow is going down to the ground. So therefore you're not shooting straight out to hit somebody. And how far, how far from the, uh, from the other homes or whatever do you have to It's be? It's 50 yards from any trail, uh, road or structure. And if you know anything about a, a, a bow and arrow, that's yeah. Nothing. Yeah, you're so, not going to hit anything 200 yards out with a bow and arrow. Right. So, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of thought planning went into this, you know, with the Arkansas Bow Hunter Association and the Game and Fish Commission. Right. You know, we had, we we took uh, we took uh, their thoughts in on this planning of what we should do, uh, and then you have to take an orientation. And what you do is you have to bring the bow that you're hunting with, and they have a target set up, and you have to hit this area that's about six inches in diameter three straight times. Really, to qualify. Now, if you can't do that, you're done. Happy trails. Happy trails. So if you, if you qualify and that, and what that does is Dennis, that lets you know that you haven't got just some rogue hunter out here hunting. You've got somebody out here that knows what they're doing. They're ethical. They can at least hit a vital, vital spot to where there's not going to be suffering or anything like that. So, yeah. uh, well, well, how many deer do you, a year do we usually harvest? So last year we harvested 389, I believe. Now we, if I'm not mistaken, I remember some years where we've been in the five hundreds. We have, and the year before this last week, matter of fact, we harvested, I think it was like 426. Mm-hmm. So we were down a little bit with our tags, but you know, well, so, of course, just like any other kind of hunting, there's poachers that come in that yeah. hunt illegally. So, you know, you have to, you know, you have to figure that too. So factor but, that in. We're right. just curious now. So the, the hunter goes out, he's in a, he's in a stand 10 feet up. He can't shoot more than 50 yards or he's not going to shoot more than 50 yards or closer to a home or whatever. He can be on common space. He can be on some other property. He can be on some designated area that y'all have allowed. And then he shoots a deer and that first deer goes to feed the hungry or what, how does it go? How does it work? The first deer of every hunter, your first deer goes to hunter to feed the hunter. And we want it to be a doe. You know, we don't want somebody coming in here just buck hunting. Uh, because you know that's not what our goal is. Our goal is to to uh, take the numbers down, you know, and and, and manage the herd. It's not a and trophy hunt. Get, it's not a trophy hunt. It's yeah. a management hunt. Yeah. So uh, and and we don't allow any fawns. Uh, you get caught. You get caught taking a fawn or a yearling. It's adult deer only. A fawn or yearling, you'll be put out for. You won't. You won't ever get to participate in urban hunt again. Wow. You break any rules here in the village. Now, last year, you know, the game and fish has started monitoring this pretty closely. Um, and last year, you know, we we found a stolen stand. We the guy in Hot Springs had stolen. We got back to him. It's been stolen for two years. Uh, and, uh, you know, we found uh, some different violations, but they were, you know, they, you know, we, we had to put, I think, three or four people out that, that, uh, you know, won't get to participate anymore. So if somebody wanted to hunt this fall in the, and then by the way, it's a long season too, isn't it? Yeah. It goes from uh boat season. It goes from September the 1st, February 28th. February 28th. Now is that just for, is that statewide or is that just for urban deer hunt? It's a statewide bow hunt. And that's whatever. Now our bow hunt here in the village has always went to January 31st. Okay. This year we're going to lengthen it on to February 28th because that's when the state bow bow hunt is and that's the game and fish they suggested we do that so so if somebody if somebody that. wanted to hunt in the in this urban deer hunt what how would they do 
you go to Arkansas Bowhunters Association website. That's mm-hmm. the ArkansasBowhuntersAssociation.com, and you will register and become a member. Uh, and then it will give you the uh, different orientations you can attend. You want to attend the Hot Springs Village Urban Deer Hunt Orientation. It'll have all the rules on there, and then you can click on it, and it'll have a map shaded in yellow, and that's the areas that you can hunt. Oh, cool. Now, we're limiting each hunter for two stands, but we're trying to get people from coming on top of one another. We don't want people getting, you know, hunting around residents or, or something like that. Because sure. that, Number one, Dennis, our, our, our property owners, are, are that, that's our number one priority. Our residents and our property owners is, is our number one priority. Sure. Uh, we want to manage these deer, but we also want to do it without, you know, any harm to them or causing any kind of, of, uh, of confusion with them. So we, you know, that they're our number one priority and we want to have the, we want to have the hunters in here, but we want to have, don't, we don't want to have them right on top of these residents and property. Sure. So, uh, you know, I told the hunters, you know, Hey, look, when we come in here, we want to be invisible. You know, that's, we want to get the job done, but just be invisible. Yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah. that's what our goal is. Well, I tell you what, I, from all the reviews I've heard, I think it's excellent. And I understand, I do understand for those of you that are going, I don't want you to shoot my little deer in the front yard. I got news for you. There will be more deer next year. They, they, oh, they, yeah. they make more deer like bunnies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they use a good, uh, good population of them in here yeah. and they keep growing. They just keep growing. So. Well, okay. Todd Knowles, Dennis Simpson, Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Thanks for joining us today. We will talk again soon. Thank you, Dennis. Oh, appreciate it, buddy. See you soon. All right. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.